Welcome to Propel, a podcast by Fellowship Pacific to propel you and your ministry forward in the mission God has for you. I'm your host, Jessica Powell, and I am so excited to be introducing the first episode of season two of the podcast. We have a lot of great content coming your way this season, and to kick it off, we're talking all about youth ministry. Today's episode has Krista Penner from our leadership development team talking with Sid Coop, Executive Director of Truth Matters Ministries, and Joshua Kazakoff, Pastor of Youth and Community Groups at Central Baptist Church in Victoria. You'll get to hear them talk about the importance of passing on our faith to the next generation and what that actually looks like, especially in today's culture. They discuss the values that are most important to the young people in our communities and discuss things like cancel culture and how the church can be effective in speaking to the issues that youth are facing right now. So let's get to it. Here is Krista's conversation with Sid Coop and Joshua Kazakoff. So welcome to the the, the uh, Fellowship Propel podcast. So glad to have both of you here with us today. Uh, that's a big handful for me to get out because, you know, uh, Fellowship Pacific is enough of a handle. And then they added Propel to the podcast, which is yeah. really like a tongue twister. You know, uh, Chris, I was thinking... I was thinking that since this is a youth ministry conversation we're having, maybe Josh and I should have a contest to say who can say Propel Podcast 10 times the quick. Oh, there we go. Go for it. Go for it right now. Let's do it. I think I'm out. I think I'm out already. You win, Josh. Okay, so Josh here declaring you the winner. You are the winner by default because Sid opted out. You know, that's right. You know, I consider myself to be a pretty good youth person because we had a staff retreat a couple years ago, and I actually tried to win the contest of stuffing a whole banana down my throat, (laughs) chasing it down with a whole can of 7-Up, and I want you boys to know I did it twice (laughs) in the space of 10 minutes. That's great. That's yeah, great. I, I realized that my my uh, my uh, strategy was wrong on the first one, and I thought I can do this again. I was full <laughs> for three days, but I, oh, I did it. So I consider. I think you know. There's still the, there's this inner youth person in me, even though I am now at a ripe old age. Anyway. So glad to have both of you here. For those of you listening with us today, I have Sid Coop and Josh Kazakoff here, both passionate about youth ministry. And I'm going to ask each of them to tell us a little bit about why they're passionate about youth ministry, what drives them every day. And Sid, we're going to start with you. Tell us a little bit about yourself and why youth ministry. Yeah, well, Krista, thanks so much. Thanks for allowing us to be a part of the podcast, too. Really appreciate that. So fun. Krista, I've been involved in youth ministry for over 20 years now, full time. And, and I'm thankful to be able to do it. In fact, to be honest with you, I think, I think um, God removed all possibilities of any other types of skill in my life. I'm terrible when it comes <laughs> to building, fixing, all that kind of stuff, so that I'd have to stay in youth ministry because there's no other way I could put food on the table for our family. So at the lowest kind of place, th- that's kind of it. Basically, I'm a bit of a useless human being unless we're doing youth ministry. So that's kind of at the very <laughs> foundation, but much... You know much bigger than that Krista I just uh, two things number one I I really believe the most important thing the church can do is pass faith on to the next generation I don't think there's anything more important than that I have a fear that we would be known as the generation and judges that forgot to tell the stories of God's faithfulness and a generation grew up not knowing and um, and in some ways if you take a look at some of the trends in terms of Bible engagement in terms of uh, church engagement you, you know the trends 
aren't moving in a positive direction all the time. And so that drives me because I think of the importance and I think I don't want to be that generation. I want to be different. The second thing is because, man, when, 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 when students meet with Jesus in an intimate life transforming way, um, their vision of what God can do through them is so unhindered in some really wonderful ways. Mm. And isn't it just so funny that God seems to show up in children and do things that we adults think are beyond our imagination? Do you know what I mean? And, and I, yeah. you know, when you take a look at the, at the Gospels, Jesus had a missional vision for children. He said, if we would become like children, the kingdom belongs to those who are like these. Like, so it's, it's really what, you know, he has, this, he has this missional vision. I want to be a part of that missional vision. And then the third thing, Thing is Chris I have two teenage boys and um, there is nothing uh, that my heart resonates with deeper than seeing my kids follow Jesus and have an intimate relationship with him and want to serve him with their whole lives and so that I, I, I resonate with other parents that are in the same space and for those parents who don't have that vision I want them to have that vision because um, there's nothing better than that. And so these are, these are the mm. motivating factors for me in the journey. For sure. A hundred percent for sure. Oh, Sid, that is so good. That was some good preaching there. So yeah, I think I had three points. There we go. It's a, it's a, it's a preach off. So what do you like to tell us Zach? I mean, Josh, I'm, I'm looking at Zach's name on here. Josh, tell us what you know. Tell us about yourself. Well, I started uh, as a youth leader probably about eight years ago now, uh, interning, volunteering under a veteran youth pastor. And I just saw what happens when you come alongside a generation like this that are on fire for Jesus, that are on mission, mission for Jesus. And you just kind of, you guide them, you equip them, you guide them. And man, they're unstoppable. Like when Gen Z unite for something around a common goal, common purpose, um, nothing stops them. And we've seen that through youth starting alphas in their school, uh, in their homes, inviting their friends. Um, man, just to be a part of that and a part of someone's life when they do that, it's such a gift and a blessing. And so I, I've been able to do that for eight years now, and I don't see myself stopping. You know, the youth still come, they still show up, and, and we just got to keep preaching, we got to keep teaching and, and walking alongside these kids. You know, Josh, I remember when I met you, I had the privilege of being one of your mentors for a little while in the Immerse program. That's right. Um, and, uh, you know, just seeing what God was doing in your life and just seeing the transformation that took place in your life as you met Jesus as a university student um, and, and just what God did and how you landed at, at Central and, and just the journey that you've been on. Um, I remember uh, talking to you about needing to find a great wife and then you found one. <laughs> Uh, like, I think I, she I just found me, to be fair. Yeah, this she found you. Well, <laughs> that's great. I'm, maybe Leanne would tell a different story, but we'll see. <laughs> Get her on here and see. But there I think go. it's so exciting to see the vision that God has given you just expand and just to see how he's expanded your borders in leadership uh, in youth ministry. So, so glad to be having this conversation with you um, and having that with you and seeing God at work in your life. Incredible, incredible blessing. That really is what you're talking about when you see, when you're talking about the kids that you see in youth ministry going on to serve Jesus and being a part of that. I feel like I've been a part of your journey. So cool. So we're going to dive in, you guys, to um, the first question that I've got for you here and really want to set the tone for what we're going to talk about today as we dive in and look at uh, what's happening with the Island Youth Workers Conference and why we want people to be a part of that. Um, 
And the first question that I have is, you know, what do you think is the most compelling value that's driving culture today or driving youth culture today? Um, does one of you want to take a stab at that question? Go ahead, Josh. Oh, man. Yeah, so I wrestled with this one, uh, talked to a few other youth pastors, and we kind of aligned with a, a lot of what we're seeing, at least here regionally on Vancouver Island and possibly the Lower Mainland. Um, but if we had to pick one, we would probably say justice. We see a group of youth that are compelled by justice, and they see the injustice around them, and uh, oh man, I mean, we have students walking out of schools. Uh, on lunch hours and for the rest of the day because they want to unite, they want to protest, they want to do something uh, to stand up for what they're seeing is wrong. And so, yeah, one of my notes, uh, I loved it, is that they demand justice now and are willing to take any step to see it through. And I go, man, if we could leverage that for Jesus, I don't know, what do you think it's it? Yeah, well, and, and I mean, I, I agree with you, Josh. And, and here's what I think is really happening right now. I was talking with my friend, Andy Harrington, who's worked with a number of justice-oriented organizations. And, and I really do believe that we have a generation that's watching the church and asking, does the church have anything to say to the most important issues of our time? And so, um, and of course, the church does. I, I mean, the scripture is clear that the kingdom way is all about uh, just living, uh, right relationships with with the father first of all and then right relationships with each other and and that's why you know the words social justice are so important because justice doesn't take place outside of the context of right relationships and and of course you know that's what the gospel comes to do it comes to heal those relationships and give us a new way of being so uh, josh i'm with you so much i think one of the really important ways forward is for us in our ministries to really think through um, how we are um, actively and overtly engaging issues of justice today from a kingdom position, informed, shaped, and driven by the gospel. And, and I really do think that will grab the heart of the next generation. Now, I think the other part of it, Josh, and I know that you're 100% here, is that the context within which kids want to in, ex experience or engage justice is, of course, community and belonging. You know, these desires have been given to us you know, we've been created with these longings within us. They're with, it's part of being, you know, part of being, being made in the image of the Trinity is this need to function within community. Like we've been designed for that. And so, uh, and so, you, you know, what I think happens is when a young person belongs and they feel safe, um, you know, their God-given identity is, is discovered within the context of that community. And there's a rootedness there, of course. And then that community becomes, uh, missional, you know, strategically missional, that, that is absolutely transformative in a young person's life. And I think, you know, all the research that, that we do says that those are really important elements for long-term consequential faith with the next generation. So Josh, I'm with you hundred percent and I can't argue with that. And, and I'll be honest, you know, this has really challenged me over the last year in particular to wrestle with, um, not only my theology on justice, but actually the way that it's shaping my personal practice and the way that it's shaping my thinking around youth ministry. And, and I think, um, you know, the Lord is still doing a good work in my life and my heart. And he's revealing that there's a lot more work that needs to be done. But I do believe that this is a way forward for us. Absolutely.
So this is so interesting to hear you say that. And I completely resonate with that as I look around in our culture. And so one of the things I'm wondering if for our listeners, especially for our youth pastors that are listening, and some of our youth pastors are in small areas across the province and they're, they're dealing with five or six kids or they're dealing with 20 kids, whatever it looks like. And they're going, oh, that's all fine and dandy guys. But in practical ways, what does it look like to engage social justice in my community? Do you have any ideas or some uh, like a springboard for people? Yeah, well, I think it really begins. I mean, uh, so so here's what I I want to be careful when I say. Uh, uh, by the way, a, a great book that I've been reading is Generous Justice by Timothy Keller, and I think it's been really helpful for me. Um, and I think that's that's a that's a read that that we should all engage in right now. I think it would be helpful for all of us, but. But I think, first of all, the heart of justice comes from the reality that apart from the gospel, we are the marginalized ones. And so when we understand, and, and I've, been, I've been working through Ephesians with a group of students here at the camp, which, which I'm really thankful to be able to do, because Ephesians really is about God's vision for justice, for peace, for unity, and also for mission, right? And so I think when we root it there, where we understand that apart from Christ and the gospel, we're the marginalized ones, that renews our heart for those who are marginalized within our environments. We don't see ourselves as better than them, but we, are so, we see ourselves empathetic and called to them because they are us in many ways. And so we want to bring the gospel there. I think that's first. And then I think, of course, you know, uh, and I'm not quite sure on the order anymore, Krista and Josh, and you'll have some thoughts on this. We always used to say go local, then global. But the reality is that our kids have a vision for global that for them, and maybe in, in ways that aren't always helpful, they feel like they can touch the global. And then we can, and, you know, we can actually use that to drive local. Okay, what does that actually mean for you working out, you know, in your schools, working out with your friends, even in your families? And now, of course, in your online communities, what does that look like to be for the marginalized one, to be for the oppressed, to be for the captive, and to bring freedom, and to bring um, uh, to bring belonging, and to bring healing? Like, what does that look like for in all of these environments where we are? And 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 here's what I find really fascinating about this, Krista. What our kids really need is models. And so, because we believe so strongly that faith is passed on in the context of relationship older to younger, and that um, the realities of faith is caught more than it's taught. It's not less than taught, but it's more than that. It's caught so much that I think what we have to do is we need to take our leaders in our ministries, and Josh is so in on this with our volunteers, you know, develop structures and systems for volunteers to mentor kids. And first, we have to be living this out in our lives and wrestling with it so we can tell authentic, real-time stories to our kids about how we're wrestling, which gives them the courage to then step out and wrestle as well. And we journey together. And I think that, you know, I think Paul modeled that throughout the New Testament, you know, follow me as I follow Christ. And I think we have to do that within our ministries and our environments. It begins with us, moves to our leaders, downloads down to our students. And if we can wrestle with that on a local level, take the vision and inspiration from global, let it work itself out local, and then we'll come back and become communal and start transforming the communities we're in. And I think that's really where God would have us be. That's really mm-hmm. good. Josh, do you have anything you want to add to that? And then I've got a question for you guys about this. Yeah, Sid, I, I love that you said, um, you know, it really needs to start with our own conviction. And for us as a team, you know, we've had to step away and say, okay, you know, where are our hearts at when it comes to biblical justice? And we see it lived out uh, in our local communities. 
And I love how Andy Crouch says, like, when we come to youth ministry, you know, you can't have justice without Jesus, and you can have Jesus yeah. without justice. Um, you need both of them. And so when we come and we model this to our students, you know, are we actually living out biblical justice in our own homes, uh, in our communities, wherever we may be, so that they can see it, that they can see that we're not just word, that we are deed as well. Um, and, it's, you know, it's been such a personal challenge for myself and for our team uh, that we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit yeah. to do this and we need him uh, just to guide us as we try to influence this generation as best we can. So that's so good, Josh. So one of the things that I have noted uh, that I want to dive into just a little bit with you guys uh, is this idea of cancel culture. So it's like it's like social justice gone wrong uh, because it's not coupled with any thought of redemption. There's no redemption. There's no forgiveness. We just cut people off if we don't agree with them. And I have you seen that infiltrating uh, youth group in church? Have you seen some of that stuff happening with our younger generation? Mm. Yeah, that is a great question. Um, you know, I, I think for us, at least where we're at, uh, I think we're very sheltered here on Vancouver Island. Um, and so for us, we haven't quite seen it, uh, you know, within our own communities. Um, we see it online, uh, you know, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, social media, whatever it is, uh, just this stark rejection of anybody who disagrees with you <clears throat> and willing to cut you out, uh, regardless of, you know, how long we've been friends, uh, how long we've you know, played on the same baseball team, whatever it may be. Um, you need to have an opinion. And if your opinion is contrary to mine, then we're out. We're done. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's um, a, I think it's a powerful uh, tool that's being used, uh, not for good, in our culture as a whole. Sid, what were you going to say? Yeah. I, and I, and I, think, um, I think, Krista, there's a couple of pieces that concern me around the conversation. And I'll be, I'll be honest, I'm not as educated in the language of cancel culture in particular as I would like to be. But just a couple of thoughts that are moving through my head. Number one, I think the movement of forgiveness is really, really important. And I think, you know, as, as our, our culture doesn't highly value, I don't think necessarily, gospel forgiveness the way that we should. The idea of canceling debts, giving up the right um, to get back at somebody, surrendering someone over to Christ. And then for ourselves, living under the grace of the cross, you know, where Christ took a punishment that we deserved and so canceled the debt that we owe and now we're at peace. Like that's, that's, un that's unfathomable. That's not easy for us in this environment. The other part, I think, so I think embracing that is really important for a right response to the cultural time that we're in. I think the other part that's really important, Chris, and this is what I've been wrestling with lately a, a fair amount, is how do we develop spiritual, emotional, and relational resilience in our children? Because I think real resilience allows us to enter into these conversations without feeling threatened by the conversation itself, which can actually move us to a place of true understanding of the other and real... Um, real option for redemption by having the ability to not simply be emotionally, uh, what do I want to say, swayed or offended in the moment that just ejects us from the conversation. And so the only option we have is to cancel something and remove it from our presence as opposed to being confronted, wrestle with it, process it, and then speak to it in a way that could actually be redemptive. So I, I really do think that one of the things we as youth workers need to wrestle with is how do we develop emotional, relational, spiritual resilience 
in our own lives? And what are the ways that we help our kids develop that in their journey as well? Part of it, by the way, I think, in a culture that so values this idea of feeling good and being happy, that that's really the end goal. And anything that threatens us must be, must be of the enemy. Like that must be something that we have to move ourselves from is the theology of suffering and the value of suffering actually in our lives. And that we in a broken world expect that, but we also know that God uses that in powerfully redemptive ways to transform and change who we are. So while we don't pursue suffering, we don't run from it either. And we come to this place where we can say, Lord, do a pruning work in my life. And I'm not just going to fight to escape this difficult season, but rather I'm going to say, Lord, I trust that you want to do something in me through this. I trust you're good and you're powerful. And when, when, when you're finished, you'll move me out of this. So I'm going to rest in you in this space. And, and again, like, I think if we can find ways to grow and develop those types of dispositions in, in, in this next generation, then instead of removing pieces of history, we actually have an opportunity to learn from and respond to and engage in, in conversations where, where because we're no longer threatened by the conversation, because we're rooted deeply in the gospel and we have an identity there that is outside of ourselves and others, um, what, what, that, what that means is that we don't have to respond with, we don't have to be threatened, nor do we need to respond with violence we can actually peacefully enter into the place as, as agents of reconciliation and, and restoration. And so, so again, I just, I really do. I think that idea of resilience, that idea of identity, um, uh, those things are so important for us in passing on consequential faith to the next generation. I think it's really, really important in this cultural context that you brought up, Krista. No, that's really good, Sid. I think you're absolutely right about that. And I want to um, we we're, we've kind of focused in this first part of our conversation on what we're doing with the youth that are um, within our influence right now. And I want to shift just slightly and ask you guys what you think is the main roadblock that's keeping the youth of today out of the conversation uh, about faith, out of faith community. What's what's holding them um, at bay from our our faith communities? Yeah, I might jump in uh, and just tagging on something that Sid said earlier. I really think it's a lack of authenticity that they are not seeing Christian men and women modeling their faith well. And so as youth workers, as youth pastors, how, you know, kind of like you said, are we rooted in the word? Are we rooted in Jesus so that when we come to youth group, when we come to, you know, kids sports games, whatever we're doing, we're there to love them, but we're also there to be the light. Um, and, that, and that speaks to whatever issue we're battling, whether it's justice, uh, whether it's gender identity, whatever it may be. Um, they want to see that you are who you say you are in the church and outside of the church. Well, you know, it's so interesting when you say that, Josh, is as soon as you start talking about that, I think, well, it's so closely tied to social justice because authenticity is a justice. It's an internal justice. It's like I am there. There. There's a. There's what you see is what you get, and so it really is all tied together. So you're really talking about vulnerability. You're talking about an authenticity and an and an ability to own fallibility, like to be able to go. I don't have it all together. It's not perfect, and and I think that 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 is all tied to this movement that we are seeing in this generation of wanting things to be right, wanting to 
what, what we see is what we get and what we get is what is good. That is what they're, that's what they're looking for. Fascinating when you really look at the big picture uh, philosophically of how these things are all tied together, all going back to how we're created, all going back to the internal compass that God has given each of us uh, in our lives. Oh, so good. So good. Um, okay. I want you guys to tell us about the Island Youth Workers Conference. What, why, why should people come to this virtually on, on October the 3rd? Oh man, because it's going to be well, amazing. going to be speaking there and Sid is going to be speaking there. I'm not, oh, I'm not. And I've got session two, is that why? <laughs> yeah, your session two. We got Jason Ballard coming in. Yeah, Krista, here's the deal. So we believe, we believe so strongly that the way forward in youth ministry. So, so first of all, number one, number one reality is this. Our youth ministries are not big enough. Let me just be really, really clear on that. Okay. So I, I and, and I'm going to explain that for a second. And if you believe that your youth ministry is big enough, your vision is far too small, does not match the kingdom vision that Christ has placed in the heart of his followers to go into all the world to preach the good news of the gospel and to see people become followers of Jesus Christ all from all around the nations. So first of all, that's been imprinted in us as his followers. So we need to do that. That's Matthew chapter 28. And then we need to take that vision and say, oh yeah, that includes my community that I'm in. You know, so my friend, Jeremy McDonald has just been, he's been just wrecking my brain lately. He goes, Sid, how many, how many students are within the local context that you live that you could actually reach, right? Like that are, that are around, like how many high schools? I'm like, well, there's 2,500 in that and there's a thousand there, blah, blah, like there's, there's a few thousand. He goes, oh, great. How many kids are in youth groups in your area? Oh, man, a few hundred. That means we've got thousands right here that need the gospel. Our youth ministries aren't big enough, let's be clear. So then the question is, you know, okay, so how do we, how do we grow our youth ministries in ways that can actually develop authentic faith? We're not just entertaining. We're not simply just gathering. We're actually looking at life transformation. So I really believe, and Josh believes the same thing. Sorry, Josh, I'm putting words in your mouth. That the way to go deeper in the lives of kids, that the way to go broader, getting more kids, and the way to do it in a sustainable fashion, that means we can be in this literally for like long-term decades, is to build teams that continue to scale out. So our volunteer teams are the most important tool that we have in our youth ministries to do faith formation in the next generation. And of course, we believe this not just philosophically, we believe this theologically. We believe in the priesthood of all believers. Like we strongly believe that all believers are called to be priests in the lives of kids, to intercede between the father and between students, to pray, to sacrifice. Like this is, this is our calling. And then we also believe that as point leaders from Ephesians 4, that our job is to equip the saints for the sake of ministry. So theologically, we believe this to be true. So then the question is, why then is the Island Youth Workers Conference so important? Because everything we do is to encourage and equip our volunteer youth leaders to better disciple kids next week. So if I'm a point leader, I'm going, man, there's a lot going on. I know I need to encourage and equip my volunteers because my whole ministry hangs in the balance based on that experience in particular. I want to find places that are going to help me do that because that's going to have direct impact in my ministry and the lives of kids in my care I need to get to this conference because I'm going to walk away encouraged and equipped my volunteer sorry are going to walk away 
encouraged and equipped to better disciple kids next week. And that's going to be your win. So I don't care what the name is on the docket. I don't care. What I care is that what they bring to the table, something that's going to encourage you, something that's going to equip you by the power of the Holy Spirit, take it and do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine and begin to shape my volunteers in my ministry and therefore shape my kids and therefore shape my communities. That's what I want. Got to have it. Absolutely. And you know, there's that whole download of information that you give and you kind of pray that each person who attends is going to walk away with one or two things that's going to change the trajectory of their influence. So Krista, you, you know what we used to do? So we knew like our volunteers only have so much time they can give us in these moments. Now we knew that if we could give them an experience that would capture their heart, they're going to give us way more than what they think they can. And then if they love kids really well, the kids aren't going to let them go anyway. So instead of them chasing kids, kids are going to start chasing them. Now you're hoop, like, like you're all in, but we wanted to do what we could to help them in that journey. And so, you know, we were doing these conferences way back in the day, way back in the day, like 20 years ago. And, um, and, and we just, we, we finally said, this is so important. We said to our leaders, hey, listen, we know we're asking for another weekend from you. We get that. But here's the deal. We, we please, could you trust us? Could you give up your time and come? And if when this weekend is over, you look at me in the eye and you say, that did not help me in my discipling relationship with my kids and my care, I will never ask you to come back again. I just want to be really clear. I won't do it. Um, and, and I would like to say the same thing for the Island Youth Workers Conference. Like Josh has done such a wonderful job of helping us lead this, this vision forward and engaging our, our youth workers. And we're bringing together some really great communicators. Again, the names don't matter. The reality is they're good. They've done the work. They're in the trenches. And they love, they, they have wonderful heart. They love us. They love Jesus. They love this work. And, and I just really believe, Krista, that if you come to the conference, you're going to walk away with something that's going to help you better disciple kids next week. And if you don't, you shouldn't come back. You actually shouldn't come back. Now you should come with a disposition that says that I want to learn. I can always learn. And that's, that's something else. But, but I really believe that the people we have in place can be really helpful for this journey we're on. And we need this. And as a point leader, like you win when your volunteers are encouraged and equipped to better disciple kids next week. There's very few things Mm -hmm. that help you win more. So Get yeah. there. Do this. Can we bottle that and just put it on the website? Yeah, we are. That's right. That's good. Well, I'm sure we can we can arrange that. We can get that for you. But you know, I think about this thing and go, it's never been easier. Like you don't oh. even have to get in your car. You can yep. look at it, you know, even to gather a few of your youth, your key youth leaders in front of a 60-inch screen um, and socially distance and listen to each session and then talk about it and maybe have some lunch together but have this time where you kind of kickstart what you're doing because what we all know is we're at a time when everything's changing you can't do youth ministry this fall the kickoff season for september looks very different than it did last september so everything has changed and to get some ideas and to get a little bit of a, a shot of adrenaline uh, in what you're doing and to stay on task with what you're doing. I, I mean, if we, if we took a survey right now of all of our youth pastors across our region, across Canada, they wouldn't be truthful if they didn't say they had some discouraging moments. Krista, let me be really clear, by the way, there's no expert in this time. If anyone tells you that they're an expert and they know, you know, they know what to do next and how to, they're, they're lying because we've never been in this time and what we're coming into, we've never been. Now, here's what's really wonderful about this. What do we know? 
So we know that God has called us to a time such as this. We wouldn't be here if, you know, if God didn't want us here. So we know that. What else do we know? We know that he is with us, right? Like we know that the God of the universe is with us. The gospel isn't just that Jesus died on the cross. The gospel is he rose again three days later and the same spirit that raised him from the grave is the same spirit trying to raise our youth ministries from the grave right now to do great kingdom work, okay? So he's with Amen. us. And then the other thing we know is he's for us. He is actively for us and he has promised. This is what he's promised, Krista. Now we've got to lean in on this. He has promised to give us whatever we need to do what he's asking us to do. That's a prompt, right? That's Romans 8. He has, he has given us that promise. So in faith, we simply take the next step, trusting that we're called to this time, trusting that he's with us, trusting that he's for us. He's going to provide what we need. And, and the other beautiful thing is we do it in the context of community. We were not wired to do this alone. So when we gather in these moments, I just, you know, and, and I, I do think, Krista, like, there's such a unique opportunity that God's given us in this time with the platforms we're on. Shocking. This is really shocking. The spirit can actually move through digital worlds. Did you know this? Like, <laughs> like, Amen. Amen. Like when we pray together here, Krista, the spirit isn't confined by my Zoom screen. It's like, oh shoot, if only I could get to Krista in the midst of this prayer, how cool would that be? No, no, no. No, like, He's, he's working wonderfully. He really is. And so I, Hey, I'm not always this fired up. Trust me. You know, in my bad moments. I don't know, Sid. I don't know, Sid. I never not know you to be fired up. That's a good point. Well, you got, you've got me in the good moments. I'm like everyone else. I've been in the fetal position in the corner a fair amount during this time, but God is gracious and he pulls us out. And yeah. so, you know what I hope, Krista, and, and I know Josh hopes this because we've been on the calls. I hope again, not only are you quit but you're encouraged that god uses this time across these spaces to kind of pull us back onto our feet again and go okay i'll take a next step i'll take a next step and and who knows how he's going to show up in that you know who knows yeah and you know what i'm reminded of the scripture you know in romans there it's his energy at yeah. work, you know? and there's been times in this period where you just feel you feel emotionally lethargic like you just don't have anything left oh yeah God just will infuse you with, um, and listen, I'm saying to all of our youth pastors and youth workers out there, if anything else, you'll get on this call with us and Sid Coop will fire you up. We, there's a money back guarantee on there. Do that right now. He's going to get you That's fired up. That's what we up. count on. Yeah. yeah, but listen, we all know, here's what we know for sure, Krista, and you know this as well. It's really wonderful for Sid to get fired up, but if he doesn't have Josh's in his life, like me, and backfilling, <laughs> then all it is is just an emotional moment. And this is where the body of Christ is so wonderful. So I'm going to pull back the curtain for a second. Let me pull back the curtain for a second. The other day, I got to go to Josh and say, Josh, I am blowing this thing. I can't put two and two together. Can you please help? And of course, Josh is like, well, if you would have just asked, we, you know, and so here we are functioning together as the body of Christ, even in putting this thing together. And we're just acknowledging that that's how our communities need to roll. And I really hope that the conference will, will better help that happen. Like, uh, yeah. like, we're just not alone, you guys. And we need to know that now as much as we've ever have, probably more. My prayer is that if you go into this on October the 3rd, that this will no longer be an island youth workers conference, that it will be a provincial youth workers <laughs> there it conference, is. a national oh. youth there it is this idea Way to dream big that they can meet virtually online 
we can do this thing. I, I was part of a conference last week and it went from a few thousand women that would gather once a year to 10,000 women. It grew by seven, uh, seven times its original size from a year ago because wow. of the online uh, presence, because all of a sudden it was as easy as clicking into a Zoom call that you could be a part of a really great movement and your great teaching and get encouraged in the word. So I'm really hoping that that's going to be what we experience on October the 3rd. Yeah, I love it. Uh, that God will just meet us there and that we will we will cast, be able to cast a vision in Jesus' name for how we are going to go forward in this new reality we find ourselves. Even if we don't have all the answers, we don't really know the way forward. We're kind of in the dark, but we're in the dark together and the Holy Spirit is leading yeah. us. <laughs> We, we, we're really, our reliance on God's spirit at work within us has got a sharp point on it right now. You, you, you want to know something, Krista, just, just to think a little bit bigger. I think for far, oh, let me be careful. Now I'm just riffing off the top of my mind here a little bit. So take it with a grain <laughs> of sand. We've thought of ourselves as experts for too long. And we've yeah. created really nice systems and structures that seem to work in certain spaces. And all of a sudden, what we start finding ourselves doing is serving systems and structures. Isn't that what institutionalism is? We start serving systems and structures. Instead of coming to a place, you know, and what's happening now is we're being forced into this space where systems and structures no longer exist. So now what we have to do is go, okay, what actually is the mission? Let's serve the mission. And the people are the mission, you know, and the kingdom way is the direction okay, let's build some systems and structures to help us serve the mission, knowing that we're going to have to rebuild those systems and structures within the next month as well. And that's actually okay, because I think it guards us from serving systems and structures, and they get put in their proper place where they actually help serve our mission. Now, that's hard work. It's tedious. Mm -hmm. Some of us naturally <laughs> love it more than others. I, I totally get that. But I think that, like, I, I feel like we're in pretty good company because if I take a look back at the beginning of the church, they didn't have a lot of models to work from in that moment. You know, like they really did, right? They're like, whoa, this is new. Our old models aren't working anymore. That's clear. Okay, we better take some, some next steps. And, and if we go with humility, and if we go in the context of community, and if we go in reliance on the power of the Holy Spirit, we trust his word, we ask him to grow our faith, we're, we're not done. The kingdom is not done. I got to share it. Was done, we wouldn't be here. Yeah, hit it. So, okay, so the other day, I'm just doing some work. So, just a little caveat here within leadership development with Fellowship Pacific. Uh, I, Elizabeth Faulkner had a brainchild last year, and it's been birthed, and we're working on it together. But it's this leadership framework. We're looking at how can we develop a framework that a church can use to develop a culture of developing leaders within the church. So, we're rolling this thing out. And, and I was like, Lord, show me a passage of scripture that's not just another uh, riff on Paul teaching Timothy. You know, we use that so much, right? We <laughs> like it because uh, it's, it's good. And I came across this passage in Acts 14. At the end of, of Acts 14, it says there in verse 28, as it's talking about the disciples. It's talking about Barnabas um, and, and just the early church, actually, not the disciples, but the early church and what they were doing and how they were calling out and encouraging and, and helping people understand their gifting. And at the very end, it says in verse 28, and they remained no little time with the disciples. So all these, so, and I thought, 
that's it. Like this whole idea of mentoring, this whole idea yes. of influencing, this whole idea of discipling. It's we spend no little time. And it's and it made me rethink, okay, how do it's it's like a different riff on a on a structure yeah. and idea of how we actually help this next generation. This was early church. Uh, uh, trying something new, trying to figure out how they were going to disciple this next generation. And they figured out they just needed to hang with them for a while. And I think that's such, even, even a little piece like that, like it changed, yeah. it changed how I thought about who I'm discipling in my yeah. life, and how I'm doing it in this very moment. That's the word of God living and active, speaking to me on a Wednesday morning. And that is what we need to start doing. And I hope and pray on October 3rd, when we come together, that everybody's going to get a, a word from the Lord and an idea and an inspiration and an innovation that is beyond what they ever could have imagined on their own, but it's only through the work of the spirit in their lives. This has been so good. You guys. I'm fired up. I'm coming on October 3rd. <laughs> yeah, I'm, you are. We're ready to um, go. Okay. I've got a couple <laughs> more questions. Fun questions. This is my question. And Josh, we're going to start with you. Yep. You dare to dream big. What does youth ministry look like in your church? And what do you think is stopping that dream from becoming a reality? Oh, man. Your biggest dream. Honestly, my biggest dream is that we would see youth discipled in droves. That we would just see more and more young people raised up for the mission of Jesus. And I think, you know, kind of, Christy, you said, what, what stops us? I think we kind of get inside our heads sometimes and we overcomplicate things. And, and we love systems, we're system people, um, but we need to be invested. We need to be in relationship. We need to be walking with students. And I know that takes lots of time on our part and, you know, I've got a new baby and so time is fleeting, um, but I love spending time with youth. And I love when they're wrestling and forming their theology um, to really live out what God's called them to do. And so when you say dream big, I just want to be in relationship with these kids and I want to see them discipled well. I love that. I want to see drove. that just more. Droves, yeah, right? Droves. droves of them. I love that. I want to okay, see them lining up down the church, coming in. I love it. Sid, tell us your big dream. Well, I think, um, man. I'm like Josh. I, I want to see I, I want to see hundreds of kids in our youth ministries that are in um, that are in real, authentic relationship with older people who love Jesus deeply, and are sacrificing to love those kids in their care, I, I, and and are being really intentional in passing on practices of faith that God can use to be transforming. So they're modeling what it is to actually not just simply read the scriptures but uh, ask Christ to shape them through the scriptures. They're serious about prayer ministry. They're, they're, you know, they're in, their internal disposition is one of prayer, where when they, when they think, when they engage someone or encounter a situation, internally they pray. And then they pray outwardly. They ask, can I pray for you? And they really believe that the spirit is working through prayer. They have a, they have a whimsical nature. We say they have a disposition of play where we don't take ourselves too seriously, but we take the gospel seriously and, and sacrificially loving others really seriously. And we, we have this disposition of invitation and celebration and affirmation, and we enjoy together. I think there's something really holy about that. And then we have this, these groups of volunteers who are intentionally actively going to kids. They're, 
they're being awkward so kids don't have to be awkward. And, and every kid knows that there's someone that's pursuing them deeply. Now, what do we need for that, Krista? <laughs> well, first of all, we need churches to buy into the vision. So yes. I believe that passing faith on to the next generation is the most important thing. I also believe this is the most complex environment that we've ever had to do it in. And I believe that there's some things like the extension of adolescence that makes it more difficult for some of our leaders to engage that way than ever before because of the culture we're functioning in, which tells me we need to be more intentional as churches with more resources pouring into the equipping and training and structuring of our youth ministries than we've ever had before because there's more at stake now. We can't assume on things like we used to and the complexities of things standing against us are greater. Then the other thing we have to do is as point leaders, we got to raise our leadership lid. We have to, because we love being with kids. Yes, we do. And we should love being with kids. Yes, we should. But if it's only about us being with kids, then our capacity is like 10, maybe. And so we lift our, our leadership lid. We start investing in other leaders. We do create systems and structures that facilitate the discipling relationship between an older person and a young person. And when we continue to move that way, all of a sudden this becomes scalable. Now that's all wonderful leadership language. Okay, let's just ditch that. What happens is God starts working through people to transform other people's lives. And every system and structure we create is only there to facilitate that kind of work that's taking place so that it can move bigger and we can see a movement happening. And so I just think that as point leaders, we have to ask the Lord to stretch us in our leadership capacity so that we can start facilitating that kind of work. I think that's our calling. And I think that's Ephesians 4. I don't think it's new. I don't think so, but it's uncomfortable. That's okay. Do you know what I mean? We have to shift our primary vision of this. Uh, as point leaders, our primary responsibility is overseeing the shepherding of kids, but it's actually shepherding our volunteers so they can shepherd our kids. So that, you know, faith can be passed on because it's being modeled and, um, and we're able to call our people to something more. So, you know, that's, that's where my heart burns. Yeah. yeah. The dying, yeah. As leaders, we die to yeah. self. We die yeah. to the platform. We're pushing other people onto yeah. it. We're speaking. And, you know, so much, I've been seeing so much in the scripture lately where it's, where the scripture talks about, and he says, Paul talks about how he says to those that, that he's investing in, that I see this gift in you, I see this gift in you. It's this outward verbal communication of what it is that I see in you so that I can help you see it in yourself and push you forward in your leadership. There's, yeah. and that's selfish, that's a selfless uh, act on my part as a leader because I am really I should be hoping that they're going to be a better leader than me Josh I hope you remember me saying that to you when you were immersed I say that to Eric every day a better you're going to yeah. be a better leader than I ever will be that's my goal and that's how we have to that's the posture beautiful to make that happen okay two two little questions are you going to answer these in a short form which um Josh and I are going to take a bet on whether or not Sid can do this in short form because we're not. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. You know, the right. reason I run my own conferences, Krista, is so that I don't, I can just make the timelines whatever I want them to be. That's right. <laughs> That's exactly right. Nobody can, nobody can shut you up, shut you down. I know. They just uh, walk away. That's right. So what relationship, what relationship, <laughs> we'll start with you, Josh, what relationship in your life um, keeps you focused and energized. Just one. 
I get a well, list. You can say relationships. It can be relationships. Okay. What relationships in your life keep you focused and energized? Oh, man. My wife, for one, for yeah. sure. Uh, she's good at kind of smacking me around saying, Josh, what's the mission? Stay focused. Um, but I'm very blessed to be part of a network of youth leaders here in Vancouver Island. <clears throat> we have our island youth network. Uh, youth pastors, youth directors, youth workers from all up and down. And, you know, we're calling each other once a week, twice a week, sometimes just talking about ministry, talking about our personal walk. Um, and I need that. I need that in my life uh, to keep me focused. And, you know, Peter Bird's one guy that we talk pray about three, four times a week. Um, just because we we love youth ministry and we, we strive to do it better each and every day. And, um, you know, we thank God for the Holy Spirit that enables us to do that, but we need people like that in our life. Um, okay. I'm so excited of course. that he's a nurse now. I think it's <laughs> awesome that he's a nurse student. I'll tell you what, we're getting our tentacles into all these young guys. Did We got all these guys and gals in the Immerse program. It's awesome. We, we're, we are mm -hmm. raising up a generation of leaders that are going to be better than us. Uh, the Immerse program is amazing. Um, okay, Josh, one more question for you, and then we'll turn yeah. it over to Sid. I'll try and cut them, shut them off at some point. Got, I've got another meeting coming up. I'm going to have oh, to shut them okay, off. There we go. So, so good. Um, what resource are you finding helpful for you right now? Is there a good book you're reading that you would recommend? What 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 is it? We we know the a we know on relationships. Number one is Jesus, and we know on this one number one number <laughs> Bible. But then after that, what yeah. kind of resources would you recommend? You know, honestly, and this is going to be a huge shout out uh, to Jeremy and Sid and Jason, uh, the Youth Ministry Team podcast has been phenomenal. Um, they're addressing the questions that we all have and perhaps don't talk about with our leadership teams, uh, but they jump right in and they're not afraid uh, to give practical and helpful advice um, from the get-go. And so that's been probably one of the biggest one that we've done as a team. We constantly listen to it. We talk about it. Uh, and see how we can implement those strategies in our own ministry. So <clears throat> um, awesome. be one. Yeah. yeah. Good. Thank you. Okay, Sid. Here we go. <laughs> uh, my wife. Keep you focused and energized. <laughs> yeah, my wife, of course. And and then my boys. Uh, and I I'd love to tell stories forever about Jen. Uh, they're they're awesome. Uh, and my boys, of course. And here's the point for me, like. Um, so it's funny right now, right? Like life is lived in our home. All my meetings are here. My boys listen to everything I say and they can call, they'll call me out on it. Do you know what I mean? Like, so I, they, they continually by their presence are forcing me to evaluate. Am I actually being a person of integrity? Do I actually believe this is who I am on this call, who I am off this call? Like those are that, what a gift to me, a hard gift that, that God's given with ki with our kids. So so that those two relationships are really, really key. And then, you know, um, Krista, I feel like well, I was just talking about this uh, this morning with, with Jeremy. He works with me with our organization. I feel such a privilege to be a part of the Canadian community of youth workers that, um, and, I, and I'm not just saying this, by the way, I want to be really clear. Like it is a tremendous privilege uh, to have that. So I get to be with like Josh and the guys from Qantas as we work with the Island Youth Workers Conference. Like that kind of stuff is, so life-giving to me and such a gift. And then when we're involved in these other regional conferences, you get to be there, you get to be part of community, you see God at work, you get to be a part of the journey. Like that, that, those are, that's, I feel tremendously privileged. And when I, um, when God sees fit to remove me from this place, um, 
even now, if you took me tomorrow, I could say, man, my life has been so much richer because of people that I get to, um, that I get to be with who are doing infinitely more significant work than I could ever dream or imagine. You know, like we've got this one young lady in our coalition right now who's working with, with kids on the reservation and kids who are at risk. And she's just this quiet young lady that has the strength that's just unimaginable to me. And I go, she's like a hero of mine. She really is. She's like, and she doesn't know that. I've never told her that, but I've just been sitting looking at her profile and what she does. And I'm like, this is mind blowing to me. So I feel so privileged. And then when I think about the resources, Krista, I, this is such a unique day where we get to get on a Zoom call with people who have been really thoughtful. Uh, about different things and so again for me like we just got off a call with Dave Ron who I think is one of the foremost um, youth ministry researchers in the U.S. and he just wrote, wrote a new book on joy in teenagers and how we see that happen and he just downloaded his thoughts and I was blown away it gave me a whole kind of structure as I work with a church in the fab helping them design their youth ministry to really think about that and then I get on with a guy named Mark Matlock, who's been doing research with Kinnaman and Barna. He's the, one of the authors of Faith for Exiles, and he downloads his thoughts to me. And I'm just, I said to Jer after we finished about four, uh, Vince Parker, who's the head of the youth ministry for Life Church the other day. And I'm doing all this name dropping because you guys, anybody can do this. What a time that we can be on a call and have conversations with people who have been able to be focused and thoughtful of these things. And we get to pick their brain, and it's just amazing. So, I'm really thankful. I guess the big thing is I'm just thankful for the relationships, Krista. Like I get to, uh, it's just a, it is a privileged, I, I feel like I'm in a very privileged season and I just want to acknowledge that and say thank you. And, and to be a part of the youth worker community is like, wow, like that's amazing to me. So we get these moments right here, right? Like these are the yeah, moments we get. I know, exactly. I mean, I'm all charged up, I'm excited. So you kind of mentioned some resources and what you just talked about in, in conjunction with the relationship. Does one resource stand out to you, Sid? Like one thing that you're like, right now, this is such a pertinent resource, a pertinent podcast yeah. for our, our season of time. Yeah, so I'm terrible with podcasts. I'm so thankful, Josh, mm -hmm. that you appreciate the Youth Minister Team podcast. Jeremy keeps telling me I need to listen to our podcast. <laughs> it's so good. shame on me. And I'm not just know, saying that, like, it really is. Yeah, I think a great book is Faith for Exiles by David Kinnaman and Mark Matlock. I think it has some easy access points that are really helpful for us uh, to think about passing faith on to the next generation. I like that. I think there's a book called iGen. I've been, I've been trying to be an evangelist for iGen for a number of years now. It's really insightful into the next generation we're working with. It's not a book uh, from a position of faith. I want to be really clear on that, but it's an honest book. And Dr. Jean Twenge, I think she's a really wonderful, she's very thoughtful when it comes to understanding generations. So I think those two books are great. Um, uh, yeah, I think those, are, those two for me stand out right now. Excellent. Well, this has been an absolute privilege to connect with you guys this morning to talk about these things. But I want our, our listeners to know is that these resources that we have cited in here, um, even like Back to Generous Justice by Tim Keller, some oh, of these, yeah. we're going to list them um, in the in the notes with the podcast. So anyone listening can can look at that and and then re uh, find those resources. We want to encourage all of you to sign up for the Island Youth Workers Conference on October the 3rd. I believe that we'll be able to have a link to the sign up in with the podcast. It will be on the Fellowship Pacific site. Uh, you'll be able to find that. And I think you can also just Google the Island Youth Workers Conference and find it. 
So want to make sure that you have that resource in your calendar and make your plans to be with us on October the 3rd to get a shot of adrenaline into your own life and into your youth ministry as you look to the future to see how God is going to be at work in the lives of the next generation. So guys, thank you for being here. And may you just have no God's blessing as you go through your day today. Thanks so much. Thank you so much, Krista. Thanks, Krista. Thanks for listening to today's episode. I hope you found this conversation helpful and inspiring as you consider how you can be even more effective at reaching the young people in your communities. Of course, one of the most important tools we have for reaching our youth is our volunteers. And one simple thing you can do right now to equip your volunteer youth leaders is get them signed up for the Island Youth Workers Conference. As you heard from Sid and Josh, this event is going to be full of incredible content that will train and inspire your team in a way that makes them more effective in their ministry right now. It's happening October 3rd and anyone can participate because it's all happening online this year. So check out their website at islandyouthworker.ca to get the full schedule and register your team. We'll have that link in our show notes as well as links to all the other great resources that were mentioned today. And as always, Our team at the Fellowship Pacific Ministry Center is committed to serving you. To find out more about the resources we have available and how we can support you, visit www.fedpacific.ca.